This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Wednesday. June 2nd, and today we have a bunch of playoff box scores to dive into, including an absolutely wild game between the Blazers and the Nuggets, some big change coming to Boston, and the defending champion Lakers now one game away from elimination. All of that and more is coming up in just a minute. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. As we welcome in everyone listening on the podcast and watching live on YouTube, I'm joined by Ryan Knaus in the OG Roto World hat, Ryan. Steve Alexander, meanwhile, wearing a Hawks t-shirt, but... Still refuses to wear his Trey Young jersey on this podcast, which really upsets me. I gotta be honest, Steve. Well, it's it's always dirty. Um, it always <laughs> okay. it's somehow in in some sort of Tuesday Thursday rotation. I'm not sure. All right, why? But it, it'll 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 happen at some point. Speaking okay. of dirty, my my Roto World had a seem better days, but um, it was this. I think Steve and I have gone the opposite directions. He has a fresh haircut these days. Mine's getting a little unruly, so I decided to just slap the old school cap on today. <laughs> I mean, I feel like, Ryan, if you're going to wear it, like, that hat kind of should be a little bit, you know, dusty and, and dirty. It's, it it's such a, <laughs> it's a classic relic. I, if that thing was clean, I'd be a little upset. That's true. It is representative. I'm also going to call Steve out. I, I'm not buying this. The Trey Young jersey is in the wash story. Uh, I'm going to have to go to my sources to verify whether this is actually true. I think that thing is clean <laughs> and sitting in a drawer somewhere, and Steve refuses to break it out. Uh, I have no clothes in a drawer. Everything everything <laughs> is on a hanger or in my laundry basket. That Trey Young shirt is buried at the bottom. Actually, if it was at the top of the laundry basket where it wasn't all like wrinkled and obviously not ready for primetime TV. Uh, I'd have it on right now, but, you know, see what All we right. can do for Friday. Let's see what we can do. We have to start, though, right now with Tuesday night's madness between the Blazers and the Nuggets in Denver. The Nuggets 
beat the Blazers 147-140 in a double overtime thriller. The Blazers came back from a 22-point deficit in this one. Damian Lillard just with a performance that just was completely ridiculous. 55 points, 12 threes, which is an NBA playoff record. Of course, he adds in six rebounds, 10 assists, three blocks, was just hitting unbelievably difficult three after unbelievably difficult three to keep the Blazers in this game. Personally, I'm thrilled I made a late switch from him to Kyrie Irving in DFS, Steve. (laughs) Well, personally, I'm thrilled that I have Denver winning that series in seven because all you're going to hear about today is Damian Lillard and what an incredible performance he had lost in some of that is that the Nuggets actually won the game. Very true. Part of the reason the Nuggets won the game is because Yusuf Nurkic fouled out for the third time in this series. And when it's Nurkic and CJ McCollum and Dame versus Jokic, Monte Morris, Campazzo and MPJ, Portland has an advantage. And when Nurkic is taken out of that equation, it allows Jokic to do whatever he wants. And, you know, yes, Damian Lillard was incredible in that game last night, but Jokic was too, man. Every time Damian did something huge, Jokic seemed to answer it. So, and I I don't think he has uh, as much success doing that if Nurkic is in the game. For sure. And, you know, give Ennis Cantor a little bit of credit. He did a decent job standing up Jokic on some one-on-one mm-hmm. defensive coverages. I was actually surprised they didn't double him more aggressively quicker. But as we all know, Jokic will just pick you apart by passing over the top of your defense, as he still managed to do late in this game uh, for that dagger MPG or MPJ three in the corner. Uh, but I mean, we'll be talking about Dame for for obvious reasons. The Blazers look dead in the water in this game down by was it 22 yeah. uh, mm-hmm. very early in the game, had that big run to get back in it down just two at halftime, I think. And I mean, over and over these shots from ice cold Dame time Lillard. What? Why? Like, of course, this sparked the the usual conversation of why not foul if Dame has the ball and you're up three. Why not foul and force a two? Now, there were different situations going on, but for the regulation buzzer beater, they let him just dribble, you know, against one-on-one coverage, set himself up, get in rhythm, and then pull the trigger for that game-tying shot. Uh, in in OT, he hit that step-back triple versus Michael Porter Jr., and why not foul? He actually stepped inside the arc for a moment before Dude. doing his step-back to get to get clearance. That I'm shot. like, foul immediately. Just hug him. Yeah, that was nuts. The last one. A, a step back off the spin move. That was absolutely Turning, ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> As you said, he's somehow inside yep. the three-point line, spins, steps back at the same time, plants his feet, and hits. That that shot right there, I had to watch like five different times to comprehend what had happened, and I still am not sure if I do. Like if I went outside right now to the basketball hoop outside my door and tried to make that shot from 15 feet, I think I'm about one for 15 making that shot. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. hit the rim one out of fifteen <laughs> times. I think uh, I think Portland was also down nine, and in, in the first overtime, it came back. Right? Was that? Or did I imagine? Yeah. That? Yeah. So so Portland. Yep. Yeah. The first overtime, two minutes and change left. Denver was up nine, and Lillard hit three ridiculous threes. <laughs> the last one being the one that we just talked about. Yeah, and uh, you know, as far as fouling or not fouling, uh, they talked to Michael Malone after the game in, in his press conference, and he was like, "You know what, I." I'm so scared because he's so good that if I go out there right. and try to foul him, he's going to somehow turn it into uh, a, an and one and hit a three mm-hmm. and then they're going to win the game. Like I, I'm, 
he's too good. I respect him too much to even try to foul him because he'll turn it into something that nobody saw coming. I guess that's fair, especially in that situation I discussed where he did step inside the arc. But you have Michael Porter Jr. on him, not known as the strongest, savviest defender out there. Do you take that risk? That's a, that's a good point. He was also only inside the arc for like half of a second. Like right, MPJ's sure. reaction time would have had to have been insane. And I also liked having MPJ Garden Dame on that play because MPJ got a hand up in his face and had a hand yeah, right by the ball. Defense. And it still was money. If I if I remember correctly, those three threes, it was almost like they were in escalating sequence of difficulty. It was like, all right, I'm gonna hit you with one. The second one's like a, a really hard deep step back, and then the third one's like, all right, let's let's do the hardest one now. I'll just do the the spin move step back for this last one. Well, then he then he banked in a three pointer from did. forty feet. So it's just like, what what can't go in? And I I felt bad for the man because his teammates left him hanging to dry in this one. They shot a combined one of nineteen from the field in overtime and double Ooh. overtime one one of 19 and then they had that brutal robert covington missed a dunk at the yeah. uh, you know in a critical possession down the stretch and then cj mccollum stepped out of bounds yep uh uncovered on the wing so there were some some real tough moments yeah. that sent the blazers home on the brink of elimination yeah covington missed two dunks i think late in the two, game yeah that's what i was gonna say oh yeah and McCollum sh- shot seven for twenty-two, and as you said, I mean, he did hit that. He did hit that one big three from the corner off the Lillard steal when you know in the closing seconds to to push help force overtime. But other than that, shot seven for twenty-two, and as you said, put his entire foot on the sideline on that that uh, well, pivotal turnover. The two things I want to say about about that: MPJ hit that three, which was huge, and then he deflected the pass that CJ caught, which CJ caught in a different place oh, yeah. than he would have mm-hmm. caught it. And that's when his foot was out of bounds. I don't, I think if MPJ doesn't deflect that ball, CJ's not out ah, of bounds. I, forgot about that. I also, and that was back to back huge plays by MPJ, uh, who, who was terrible in the game before. So what a bounce back and what, what a comeback he had uh, in game five. And then the other thing on these Robert Covington, Oh, Robert Covington missed a dunk. It's not it's not that Robert Covington just missed a dunk. Robert Covington had layups for both of those dunks. He probably even had dunks for both of those dunks, but he was trying to put somebody on throw a poster down. and throw yeah. it down as hard as he possibly could. He turned yes. an easy basketball play into a really difficult and you know, if he pulls it off, outstanding play, but it reminded me of not not quite as egregious, but it reminded me when Josh smooth put the ball through his legs in a playoff game against the heat and tried to dunk on them (laughs) and threw it off the back of the rim uh covington didn't go behind his back or through his legs or anything but he was trying to put a lot of extra stuff into those dunks and had he not done that i think he would have made both of them that was crucial yeah roko was feeling it though he had 19 and 11 two steals three threes he was feeling good Good steve game for him I mean, he did have a pretty good game. You mentioned Jokic having almost having answered for everything Lillard did. He had 38 points, 11 rebounds, nine assists, four blocks, and three threes. And Monte Morris, who I think we mentioned, came up absolutely huge, 28 points, five dimes. I love, Steve, that a minute ago when you were talking about, well, when it's Lillard and CJ <laughs> and Nurkic versus Jokic, Compazzo. MPJ and Campazzo. <laughs> you just slipped that in there. Facundo had three points in 21 minutes. It was a Monte Morris kind of night and an Austin Rivers kind of night, too. He had 18 points, seven dimes, four threes. Avoids being kind of the scapegoat for Denver here with that late turnover by Denver yep. playing out this win. Which was yeah, another a, great play by Lillard. <laughs> ridiculous. Go ahead, Brian. 
No, I was just going to say Austin Rivers was a turn, turning out to be a great pickup. 47 minutes in a key playoff victory. Uh, a guy who, as we've said on previous pods, was just sitting at home watching basketball for, for I think, over two months. Uh, so to come in and give them this type of effort, stretching the court, playing solid defense, I mean, as as solid as he can play against this backcourt yeah. for Portland. So uh, just coming up huge. And then obviously Monte Morris was a, a game changer for Denver. Without him, they don't win that game. He scored 23 of his 28 points. Monte Morris did after halftime. And wow. uh, he was he he hit some clutch free throws, really clutch free throws. And, dude, to me, Jokic, when they were showing Jokic with his back to the basket and you could see his face, he looked like he was about to pass out. Like, he was completely <laughs> gassed, and yet he was still hitting threes. He was still, you know, getting rebounds, making hook shots. Like, he's... He's so good. And I, I mean, the flat, the style between Jokic and, and Damian Lillard, the style of their games are so, so different. Fun. And, you know, Jokic is carrying a lunch pail and um, <laughs> Lillard is wearing a one of Prince's uh, Super Bowl halftime outfits. It's just it's just crazy. <laughs> I'm amazed at before we move on from this game, I'm amazed at Jokic's patience and the Nuggets in general. It's just like there's five seconds on the shot clock and like he's got the ball and it looks like absolutely nothing is cooking. And, and on a number of those possessions, they actually made something out of it where it's like, it's a little risky the way they're running offense. You would almost say, you know, and, and the last thing is this was, this game was in the altitude at Denver. Right. So that, that should have that from what I understand from guys who have played in the NBA, like that sticks with you for a couple of days. So I think Portland is probably going to be more tired than Denver for game game six. Yeah, that's a brutal one to lose after after going all that distance. Meanwhile, while this game was going on, the Suns were absolutely crushing <laughs> the Anthony Davis list Lakers, one fifteen to eighty five. The Suns led by thirty at halftime, won it by thirty. Uh, you know, LeBron James had 24 in this game. The only other guys in double figures for the Lakers were Kyle Kuzma and Talon Horton Tucker. That's how you know it was not a good night. Another way you know it was not a good night is that starters Andre Drummond, Dennis Schroeder, and Contavious Caldwell-Pope went two for 15 for a combined seven points, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, the Lakers are <laughs> in trouble. What a difference a week makes. Like last week, I was saying if if Chris Paul isn't himself, the Suns are in serious trouble now. Anthony Davis is down and the Lakers look like the ones who are who are uh, in serious trouble here, obviously. And, you know, they had the little box in box and box score on the, for this game I in know. the Blazers game. So it took took all the drama away. I didn't even need to to flip over or queue up the DVR after this one. So, uh, yeah, just I mean, the Lakers jumped out to a decent little start. Uh, and then from there on, just a landslide. I'm not sure what L.A. can do to get back in this series of Anthony Davis's groin holds him out again. Yeah. Street clothes, not being out there is a, is a big problem. And I, if you guys missed it last night, Charles Barkley has decided he now calls Anthony Davis street clothes, which wow. is so great. And I'm really mad if we didn't trademark it first since I've written the word street clothes in an Anthony Davis blurb, at least a hundred times in the last five years. So um, street clothes, was not out there and was in street clothes. And if that's the case uh, in the next one, I, I think the Lakers are done. They need Anthony Davis out there. The other thing I really, I don't know if it confuses me or angers me or what, but 
The Lakers were literally down by 30 points at halftime. They had no hope of coming back in that game. I, why LeBron was even out there in the second half, I don't really understand. I would have been resting him so he could go all in in, in game six. And, you know, he went to the locker room with like six minutes left in the game. Mm-hmm. One of my buddies texted me. He's like, what's the deal with LeBron going to the locker room? That's not cool. I was like, he shouldn't have, he shouldn't even been out there at halftime. He should have stayed yeah. in the locker room after the first half. Do yeah, it might have been Charles Barkley also who said that even if Anthony Davis comes back healthy, the Lakers don't have a chance at repeating as champions. I you know I may not go that far, not have a chance, but they they don't look like a cohesive team at all, right? Like so many guys missed games, including obviously LeBron, the longest stretch of his career. Anthony Davis missed time. It feels like they never quite gelled as a team, and then they threw Andre Drummond in at the last second. Uh, Montrez Harrell falling out of the rotation at times. They've got this kind of awkward center rotation. Markeith Morris falling out of the picture for long stretches. Do you guys see any path back, even if if Anthony Davis is healthy miraculously? Well, the the problem is he's not going to be. Like he, I think he's going to yeah. try to play in Game Six because it's do or die. Um, he's probably going to aggravate his groin in that game. He's probably going to really be hurt. But even if even, even if not. I don't think he's healthy enough and I don't think they're cohesive enough of a unit to keep this going. Like I, I, I'd hate to ever say that I don't think LeBron and AD together could, could somehow pull this together to win a championship. But right now it doesn't feel like it's possible, you know, but like we've seen it, it our everything changes every week in this, yeah. in these playoffs. So who knows where we'll be a week from now. That's the thing. I mean, I'm not going to be have such a short memory that I don't remember how good they were starting to look when AD was playing well with those back-to-back 34-point games. I, I think the factor here is his health. If he's healthy, the, uh, AD and LeBron, sure, they can win a championship. To say that they can't with both guys healthy, I think, is is just a wild statement. You know, I don't care how cohesive they are. That that Those two supernovas of talent alone are enough to win a championship, period. I don't care if all the other pieces are are firing properly. Like They could do it if Anthony Davis was healthy. But it doesn't seem like he's going to be in time, and, right. and time is running out really fast. And let's not forget that Chris Paul got hurt again last night, too. Yeah, so that's right. Yeah, took a hit to his injured right shoulder in the third, didn't return. Of course, the game wasn't close, yeah. but that's that's a big thing to monitor heading into Game 6. And actually, he took he took a shot to his lower back, which shot straight up his back and into his into his shoulder. Like, I think his whole there's a there's nerve issues throughout his whole back. I'm guessing. I was just gonna say it seems like a nerve issue, and nerves do tend to radiate pain. So that that you know fit exactly with the narrative of what's going on with him. Hopefully, it's just a pain tolerance issue, and it, it you know some rest and ice, and he's he's good to go for potential close out game in game six it still seems like the suns are better off with chris paul less than 100 percent playing you know 20 something minutes they sort of were starting to get back the full chris paul something closer to it in game four but now it looks like maybe we're downgrading it again and campaign has been awesome as we talked about like Campaign and Monte Morris, like a lot of these reserve guards for these these western teams have, have played really well and I'm thinking if AD doesn't play and Chris Paul don't play, Cameron Payne is going to get it done and, and the Suns are going to end this thing. 
And the Suns' defense needs credit. I mean, yes, Anthony Davis was out, but they still held the Lakers to, I think, 34% shooting. The Lakers' starters, not named LeBron James, combined for 11 points. Um, Just a truly, you know, playoff, you know, elite playoff defensive performance, the kind of which makes it, yeah, tough, especially if AD, even if he does play, as we've said, if he's less than 100%. uh, Yeah, I think this one ends in six. Also an elite meltdown by those Lakers starters not named LeBron. True that. Yeah, and I was just going to say it's interesting that we spent this much time talking about a 30-point blowout, but we did it. <laughs> it does involve the defending champs and the number two seed, though. So It makes sense. We'll be watching the health of Chris Paul heading into game six as the series heads back to L.A. now. Also on Tuesday... The Nets beat the Celtics 123-109. Boston is out. Brooklyn is moving on to face Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference semis. They got a 34-point triple-double from James Harden. No surprise there. So we wanted to look at some big news from Wednesday morning, not too long before we sat down to, to talk to record this. According to Shams Charani of The Athletic, Danny Ainge is planning to resign as Celtics president, and Brad Stevens will be going from head coach to new head of basketball operations in Boston. Ryan, as we take a minute to digest this news, what are your initial thoughts on this one? Any aspect of this that, you know, could have some fallout for you? Well, initially, I mean, you see a team lose a playoff series, then they, all of a sudden there's upheaval, coach, you know, no longer there. Well, just moving to a different position. So it's not your typical situation where the the team flamed out in the first round and these are sort of punitive moves, right? This sounded like a a planned transition of power. Danny Ainge wanted to retire. He's stepping down. Brad Stevens was burnt out on coaching reportedly after coaching through the bubble. Um, So now he gets to move into the front office, a sort of natural, you know, he knows that the thinking, the relationships are already in place. So hopefully what this leads to is a smoother off season where, you know, decision making is clicking, they get the free agents they want and so forth. Will it be a challenge? Absolutely. Because the the Celtics in 2022-23 will have $95 million committed to three players. You know, Tatum, Jalen Brown and Kemba Walker. Walker not looking at all like the all star we've seen before this year, let alone two years from now when he has a thirty seven million dollar player option. So, I mean, think about that. Three players, ninety five million dollars on the books, not to say one of them won't be traded or something might happen in the meantime, but that's a big, a big problem. And then you've got a, an emerging potential star center, Robert Williams, who can't stay healthy. You've got zero wing depth. That's why they had to trade away Daniel Tice, which, you know, kind of hurt their front court for Evan Fournier. Now he's on an expiring deal, so they still need to replace that wing depth. They do have some promising signs. A, a huge one would be Aaron Neesmith stepped up late, looked like a real NBA player who's going to come in and contribute uh, immediately starting next year. So he's on my fantasy radar. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a tough situation that Stevens inherits, I think. And then, well, I think part of the, I think Stevens had to make a decision. Like, do I, do I go and coach the Indiana university Hoosiers and become a, a God and legend there? <laughs> or do I stay in Boston? And I think he, I think if he had a choice in the matter, I kind of, I kind of feel like behind the scenes he did like, I'm sure Indiana talked to him. He's like, no, I think I'm going to Danny's probably going to shut it down. I'm probably going to stay here. I think it'd be easier to run an NBA franchise than it would be to go somewhere else and start over and then have to go do all that traveling and recruiting and 
just all the stuff that comes along with being an, a college coach. So I think, I think it's more money and easier lifestyle probably to stay there. Yeah. That God and legend thing is a tough racket. <laughs> well, he would have been, had he gone to Indiana, I'm telling you, but it would have been a lot more work than it's going to be a stay in Boston. But the, the, my biggest thing is can Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown play together? And I feel like Danny Ainge is like, man, this team has run its course. I'm out of here. And I feel like Brad Stevens is like, <laughs> man, this team has run its course. I'm out of here. Like, like everybody is jumping ship and you know, people on TV, uh, people in Boston, like we can't win with the, the with this team. And can can Jalen and Jason Tatum? Because like Charles Barkley was saying last night, when he watches them play, it looks like they they rotate, yeah, they take turns doing stuff instead of you know working together. So I don't know what the answer is. I think Brad Stevens has a really great basketball mind and will probably make things happen. But it, it's going to be very interesting to see who the next coach of the Boston Celtics is that Kemba Walker contract, which you mentioned, Ryan is, is brutal. 36 million for next year. And then, as you said, the 37.6 million player option that let's just, let's just, uh, err on the side of Kemba, probably picking up that option <laughs> at this point in his career, but so no official odds yet for the next Celtics head coach, but here are some names that points bet our sports book partners tracking. Those names include Jason Kidd, Sam Cassell, Lloyd Pierce, Chauncey Billups, Becky Hammond, Kenny Atkinson, Kevin Garnett, that would be wild, Jeff Van Gundy, Mark Jackson, Paul Pierce, that would also be something, Brett Brown, Mike D'Antoni, Jay Wright, Rick Pitino, and Kendrick Perkins. I mean, this is is a list that gets your imagination really going to some wild places ryan i mean if they want to sell tickets the truth is is the answer right <laughs> people will come flocking to the garden um yeah that's a lot of names i don't I, I haven't been able to give this sufficient thought nor would i have any insight as to as to who they might select out of that group but you'd think that with all-star pieces in place already right in a roster that they're trying to just kind of tweak the the margins and put together a a more cohesive group uh, that will lead to more fluent offense, avoiding some of the problems Steve discussed about sort of herky-jerky stop-start offense and game-to-game totally uh, totally uh, up-and-down play. So you'd think that they'd want someone more established, is my point, rather than bringing in a novice coach who's now trying to learn on the fly, maybe not making the right adjustments all the time. That's not going to fly for this iteration of the Celtics, where they are, the success that they're expected to have uh, in the prime of their two all-star players' careers. So I think that they would go with a more established option. Yeah, and I think the the other name on that list that would be uh, truly wild would be Becky Hammond to to have the first you know woman NBA coach start in Boston would be would be pretty wild I think so but Kevin Garnett to me like I think Matt Straup and I agree that having KG down on that sideline with his hoodie pulled over his head uh, any of the former Celtics greats would be amazing and I'm not even mentioning <laughs> former Celtics great Chauncey Billups uh it, it would be yeah I mean there's just so many intriguing names on that list Becky Hammond among them this is going to be a fascinating coaching search to watch Although I think the off the board name that isn't on this list is uh, 
I just feel like somehow it's Scott Brooks' Brooks. destiny to go to Boston <laughs> and bury the Time Lord in the rotation the same way he did Daniel Gafford. So that's my that's my nightmare scenario personally. That that's the okay. one that I'm afraid of. Did you see the the tweet that I wrote about Daniel Gafford, Matt? I said I said I wrote this one for you, and it was about how his conditioning oh, wow. theoretically was was impeding his play. And Gafford himself said, "Yeah, my conditioning's been kind of a mess this season. Uh, some days it's good, some days it isn't. I need to." to get in better conditions. So it sounded like both he and Scott Brooks thought that he should be playing short, short stints. How do you, how do you respond, Mr. Straub? Well, my response is Gafford needs to get into better shape. I need to check my Twitter more often. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I haven't seen that one yet, but you know, you can say whatever you want. I mean, even if his conditioning isn't there, there's no excuse to only play that guy like 14 minutes in some games. So his conditioning is not there. It's not like, He's only getting 27 minutes a game because his conditioning isn't there. He hasn't been getting 20, 20 minutes all too often. Right. So I don't buy it. Not buying it, Ryan. But he started last game. Yeah, start him in an elimination game. Had five blocks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he looked amazing, by yes. the way. Yeah. Weird. All right. Well, so we'll obviously be watching that Celtics coaching search and, and what's going to happen with this roster moving forward. I want to quickly, guys... Uh, since their season's over, as we've been doing with some of the star players, as they, you know, leave the playoffs and presumably go to Cancun, according to Steve, I wanted to talk about Jason Tatum and his outlook moving forward. He had 32 points, nine boards, five assists on 12 of 27 shooting in this elimination game. That left him with 30.6 points, nearly six boards, four and a half dimes, 1.2 steals, 1.6 blocks, I think, if I have that right. 2.83s in this playoff series, and that doesn't even include his 50-point game in the play-in tourney. A game, by the way, guys, that is not even on his game log. And just as an aside, what are we doing here? That that, that those play-in it's games yeah, the like are lost to time. You have to like Google search it to find out that, that actually happened. Like two years from now, are we even going to remember that Jason Tatum had 50 points in that game? It's so ridiculous to me that this doesn't count as any stats. I think they'll fix that retroactively because this it's been okay. enough of a success. It's here to stay. I think they're going to make it a more permanent, you know, locked in part of yeah. the postseason. I don't know how they'll deal with it, but yeah, that, that aspect is just absurd. But I want to ask you, Ryan, this is a guy who was inside the top 15 of nine category fantasy leagues, clearly has shown a higher ceiling than that. Um, how early would you take Tatum in a fantasy league, I mean, I think we all agree there's he's a no doubt first round fantasy pick, but how high in the first round hmm. would you be willing to go and bet on that upside? Hmm. It's tough to say without without drawing out my pre uh, pre draft ranks yet, but I think Tatum top seven easily, maybe maybe even a little bit higher. Uh, I'm fully sold. I mean, this feels like where we ended the season last year when he was on such a tear uh, in the in the bubble in the playoffs, and we were like, all right, here's a superstar. And people drafted him roughly in the same spots I just mentioned. And it was a mild disappointment, but mostly because he got COVID and had a particularly tough case, admitted that he was having trouble breathing. And that really genuinely took a chunk out of his season. Then he struggled for the entire month of, I want to say, January. You know, and, and then we're seeing who he is again now, fully healthy. He's been locked in for the past couple months. So I'm nothing about, I mean, he's not injury prone He's in a great spot. Who knows how the new coach will use him, but you better bet they're going to feature him prominently in every single thing that right. they do. So I'm more than happy to take him first half of the first round. Uh, I'm probably, I, I think of him exactly the same right now as I did a year ago, which I'm thinking when the ninth 
10th, 11th, 12th pick of the first round comes around. That's when I'm looking at Tatum. Like you, Ryan, I haven't thrown together my my rankings for next year yet, but I'm guessing there's seven or eight guys I'm probably going to have um, at least as high as Tatum, if not a little bit higher. But yeah, anywhere from seven to 12 for me is is what I'm thinking. I can't believe you guys haven't done your rankings yet. I'm a little disappointed, <laughs> frankly. It's June 2nd. What are we doing, guys? Sorry, Matt. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. All right. We've got four game fives on the schedule Wednesday night. Let's just quickly get a thought or two on those games before they happen. We'll start with the Hawks and the Knicks. Atlanta leads it three to one as we head back to New York. Atlanta won two in Atlanta, trying to close it out in what I expect to be a very tough environment. Just a little uh, stage setter. Uh, so a couple quotes via Flint Capella, Mike Vorkanoff, who covers the Knicks for the Athletic, and Chris Kirshner, who covers the Hawks for the Athletic. Clint Capella said, we can be physical, but we can win games as well. Now we're coming to your home to win this game again and send you on vacation. Parentheses, Cancun. (laughs) Now, (laughs) Randall replies, why would I give a hell what Clint Capella has to say? (laughs) And then he added, don't care. Amazing. This is incredible theater heading into this game. This game is, if this game is not ridiculously chippy, I'm going to be absolutely floored. Oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be nuts. And this Capella, like, does Capella really need to be giving the Knicks bulletin board material? Because there was the other quotes where he said, you know, they come in and beat us up and talk blank, and we can talk blank too. And like the quotes went on for a little bit. And uh, Julius Randall not giving a hell is is one of the more interesting quotes I've heard <laughs> in a while. Um, but I'm, I still feel like the Hawks are, are going to win uh, and close it out in this game. But, man, it, it, it's it got all of the potential to have a lot of scuffles, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a, a fun game. I mean, I like seeing some fire, especially in the first round. Just get some antagonism back and forth. Why not? Uh, get the, the whole crowd chanting, creating kind of villain archetypes on the fly. It's it's fun to me. Spike Spike Lee pacing the the sidelines once again. So uh, it's it's a fun series. I wouldn't bet against the Knicks tonight, but for sure I'm sticking with 
my original pick of the Hawks to win this series. They just have those moments where their offensive firepower comes together and you're, you know, the Knicks just look helpless because they don't have the depth of offensive talent. They had to start Derrick Rose kind of out of desperation because Julius Randle was was struggling so much. Uh, just give him somebody to make make life a little easier. And to his credit, Rose has been incredible. Uh, a guy I wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole for a decade in fantasy. Still probably won't. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, you know, I give him credit. He's playing ex- exceptionally well. Um, it was also funny. There was a post-game interview with him the other day, and everyone's talking to him like he's 85 years old and he's like yeah i gotta change my my workout routine i'm 32 now <laughs> like oh man <laughs> just makes you feel your age sometimes but um yeah though i will say in basketball years he's probably about 60 he is, yeah. and he after starting out after starting out six for nine in that game four he went one for his last six and walking off the floor i don't know if you guys remember this image like that looked like a man who was hurting. Yeah. He he was walking off the floor extremely gingerly. Obviously, they've had a couple days to rest here, so so maybe he comes out fine. But that's a guy I'm watching is as a guy who's really actually due for a letdown game, to be honest, because he has not had one yet. He's been incredible, yeah. and he's been the Knicks' best player. And uh, without him, I mean, I don't even know. It's 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 not even three one. Yeah, I agree. I think Rose is Rose is going to be. Well, I think adrenaline is going to is going to carry him. Uh, through the first half, at least. Then we'll see where we are after that. But he's got to be tired, man. And then uh, Solo Hill and Reggie Bullock, both uh, on ejection watch early and often tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Those dudes are going to get tossed. I, I can almost guarantee it. That would be a huge win for the Hawks if if those two players agree. I was going to say. Bullock was not good in game four, but he is a guy you fear as a guy who can knock down a few threes in a row. Yeah, I know we don't want to spend too long on this, but do you guys, you mentioned Rose due for a letdown game. Do either of you think that Julius Randle is due for a breakout game? He has had a nightmare season, accepted the most improved award, but hasn't looked it in the first round. Yeah, series. Series. Yeah. I mean, he already kind of broke out of it a little bit. He, you know, he had that 23, I think 10 and seven game, but shot just seven for 19, which actually was an improvement on what he had been shooting. So I don't know. I mean, I guess I could see a little improvement on that. But if the Hawks offense is playing up to its ability, it's not going to matter. I mean, Randall, we saw him already put up big counting stats and the Knicks lost by almost 20. So I I don't honestly think it matters. He could he do a little better than that last game? It wouldn't surprise me at all. But I'm just not sure the way that he's playing is is like impacting winning at that high of a level for the Knicks. I mean, he's just kind of it feels a little bit to me like he's just doing his own thing and he's just kind of in his own world almost, mm-hmm. like where he's in ISO world a little bit. And I don't know. It just go ahead, shoot that long too, is what I'm thinking as a Hawks fan. <laughs> Bullock or Julius Randle is gonna have to pick a fight with DeAndre Hunter and get him thrown out of the game. For Julius Randle to have a big game. I'm convinced. It's, it's all DeAndre Hunter. Oh, now I'm terrified. I feel like we just jinxed it. Randall's going for <laughs> 35, 11, and 9 in this one. No. All right. Let, let's move to the Wizards and the Sixers. Philly leads this one 3-1. But the big storyline here is that Joel Embiid, as of last check, was doubtful due to right knee soreness. That knee soreness forced him out early in Game 4. And this series, Ryan, which seemed like such a foregone conclusion... 
suddenly just became a little bit suspenseful if you're a Sixers fan, right? Yeah, I'm sure Sixers fan. I mean, suspenseful is one way to put it. Terrifying, probably another, because, you know, everyone probably thinks they'll make it past the Wizards. There's no real fear that Washington's going to reel off three straight here. But if Embiid is hurt, I mean, this is always the fear. All season long, they try to protect Embiid's health, protect his health. uh, And now he's hurt uh, early in the postseason. So, you know, on on his knee hinges their playoffs. Uh, yeah, and I, I mean, I don't think if I'm if I'm a Philly fan, I'm not really worried about not winning one more game against the Wizards. What I'm worried about is if I have to turn around and play a team like Trey Young and Clint Capella without Joel Embiid. Like, how long is Embiid going to be out? That's the key to this whole thing. So, uh, yeah, we're all anxiously waiting to find out and if if i'm philly you just hold out and be against the wizards assuming you right like why why risk a a, a setback when you're up three one in a series so yeah you have a couple games to play with by the way dwight howard did almost nothing in game four after joel and left early 1.4 rebounds in 14 minutes i mean if you if we're playing dfs wednesday is there a universe where either of you guys would trust dwight howard with joel Embiid out i think howard had four fouls in that limited run he had in that game i i, I don't know who else you play if it's not dwight howard i i, I see a bounce back coming for howard if Embiid is a uh, street close I, I do too maybe they go small with mike scott something like that a b- bunch of smaller lineups i'm not yeah. sure but I, I think I just look for like the the extra usage for like Danny Green and Seth Curry, et cetera, probably is where I would turn to other rather than Dwight Howard personally. Yeah, agreed. I'm okay with that. And for sure, Ben Ben Simmons, whether or not he can make a free throw or a jump shot to save his life. All right. Well, we're going to move on from this one. Davis Bertans, just an injury note per Adrian Wojnarowski out four to six weeks with a calf strain just when he was actually heating up in game four, looking like he was going to give the Wizards. He did give the Wizards a spark, but now he is done. So we move on to the one series on Wednesday night that is tied 2-2. Steve, the we're back in L.A. with the Mavs and the Clippers after Dallas dropped two at home. Luka Doncic obviously didn't look right in that game, fighting through that next strain, shot 9 for 24 from the field, 0 for 5 from the line. What are you looking for here, Steve, in Game 5? And your optimism level for the Mavs on a scale of 1 to 10 is? Well, on a scale of like, optimism, like, do I think they're going to win tonight? Do I think they're going to win the series? What are, we, what, are we, what are my answering there? You're just you're stalling right now is what you're doing. You know what you, know what you, you, know what you need to give me. Give me a number. Uh, overall, Dallas's chances to win the series? 6.5. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Pretty high. Well, Pretty high I, number. I, Explain yourself. Uh, Carlisle has said that Luca's neck is feeling better. Uh, I don't know if it really is or if he's just trying to trying to make people like me feel better. Dallas looked really bad in the last two games. Clippers looked really great. I don't I think it's time that Luca I think they're gonna bounce back and, and take this game tonight. I, I was the last game was so disappointing if you were rooting for Dallas. Um, that I can't imagine them laying another egg like that. But I still still feeling okay. And it's funny because that was the only series that was 2-0 um, after the first two, after the road team won the first two games. And now it's the only series tied at 2-2. Hmm. It's kind of weird. Yeah, I, I think game five will snap the streak of road games winning. The Clippers take the series lead and... And eventually close it out. I, I just think we've seen what I expected coming into the series, which is LA playing 
extremely efficient offense. The Mavs look helpless to stop them at times. Uh, and their defense has finally got some teeth. They were, you know, the Mavs were doing whatever they wanted. Luca was going wild in the first two games and he's still getting, you know, a, a lot of good shots and dictating the action. Of course, he's always going to, uh, but I think, you know, maybe it's the next strain. I don't know, but he shot, I believe nine of 24 in their last game. Like he needs to be efficient for their offense to overcome the, the, the Clippers. And I have no faith in the Mavs defense, uh, so that's really what it boils down to for me. Yeah, like you, Ryan, I originally picked the Clippers to win this series. Uh, it's It's been such a series that has defied expectations in a way because, you know, Dallas, you know, stunned the Clippers those first two games. And then the Clippers, after looking like they were ready to go to Cancun, stormed back and won three of four and now look poised to take this thing potentially in six games. So it, with all of that said, it would shock me zero if Dallas won this game five and looked like a totally different team but i still think the clippers will take this if that makes sense at all and i think it, it i think it depends on if luca's healthy or not luke i don't think luca was healthy at all last game hmm. all right one more series to hit and that, and that is wednesday night's grizzlies jazz game five this series which showed a lot of promise has turned somewhat less thrilling, Steve. Uh, do you think the Grizzlies have a shot to make this interesting, Steve? I feel like the Grizz are like your third favorite team now. Yeah, I, t- I feel like um, like when I play this guy, Mike Puckett, in Golden Tee, we play Golden Tee almost <laughs> on a daily basis. And he always seems to beat me by one, sometimes two strokes. Or I beat him, you know, one out of every four games. I feel like that's the Grizzlies going up against the Jazz right now. Like, the Grizzlies <laughs> are going to be right there and hang with them. They're not going to get blown out. They're going to beat them one, 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 one out of every, you know, three or four times they play. But generally, the Jazz are going to win that game by eight or nine points. So the Jazz are Mike Puckett in this case. They are Mike Puckett <laughs> and, and the poor Grizzlies are Doc. <laughs> <laughs> poor, poor Doc. MVP, MVP versus Doc is is pretty much the the nickname <laughs> on the Golden Team Machine. But yeah, I just feel like the the, the Jazz have their number. They're the better team. They're going to win uh, most of the times they play. But the Grizzlies are going to fight and battle and and give it their all. Hang on, Ryan. Before you jump in, does this Mike Puckett character have a V as his middle initial, or does he do MVP to he be does like I'm MVP? D is in dog P. Oh, okay. I, th- I heard a V. <laughs> I heard a V and I thought he was calling himself the MVP and I was like, all right. When you're playing casually on Golden Team, you can only put three initials in there. So I'm everybody at Johnny B's, which is where the Golden Team machine is, they don't know my name is Steve Alexander. They just think my name is Doc. Like 50 people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't have a, a Mike Puckett uh, <laughs> level, level analogy to, to go into, I feel. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's no surprise that the one game the Grizzlies have taken Donovan Mitchell wasn't playing and he's back he looks healthy the Jazz are are humming along they have a I mean I think they shattered all sorts of NBA three-point records this season right Uh, most threes in a game they might have gotten most threes in a season they're just shooting lights out shooters all over the court just a really really well-built team I know Steve you you dismiss the you've called them one of the one of the more uh, toothless first seeds that we've seen in recent history but you know they have enough to beat the grizzlies put it that way 
Well, that was he did that first, Ryan, and then he compared them to the mighty Mike Mike Pocket. So <laughs> oh, that's I feel true. like they've gone <laughs> that's up. That's an upgrade. That's a big estimation. upgrade. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's gonna do it for us. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a second to rate and review us as well. We're gonna be back here on Friday previewing the Nets Bucks matchup and much more. Thanks to everyone for listening on the podcast. Thanks to everyone watching live on YouTube. Ryan, Steve, thanks to both of you for joining me. We'll see you guys on Friday. Bye. See you guys. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.